0: Values define how we live, how we act, and how we think. But how can we maintain our Christian values in a world that is constantly at odds with the biblical values we are called to live by? When we allow the nature of God to resonate in our heart, it causes us to change the way we live. We will begin to show irrational grace and experience exponential growth, both personally and corporately. Our desire will be to be part of a to groups, and when we gather, it will be with enthusiasm. We will be generous in our giving, using the gifts we have identified for His glory. We would be obedient in our call to go, constantly glorifying God in all that we do. This sounds like a fulfilling way to live our lives, but are we willing to allow our heart to resonate with Christ's to see this happen? We're up to week six. I don't know where the whole lot of this series has gone. It's an eight-week series, and we're up to week six already as we talk about this series called Resonate, and I've called it Resonate because I want it to keep on going. I want it to resonate with us, and I grabbed these out last week, and um, most of you will know where this is going. Uh, Well... So we got that. Did you hear that? It doesn't resonate very well. Boy, I love that sound. I still don't think it's good. I I still don't think it's enough. Now we're gonna resonate. You ready? I'm just gonna let it go isn't that nice I should stop it no just let it resonate Ron and that's the point what we've been talking about over these six weeks should continue to move and help us to move forward and to be able to grow and mature, so that it resonates and it shows, and people hear it and see it and experience it in us and through us and with us. This should be something, it's still ringing. Can you hear that? It's wonderful. Should do it again just for the sake of it. So Resonate, that's what this series is all about. And as we continue in this Resonate series, we come to one of, careful what I say here, but one of the fun, fun parts of the series, one of the fun topics or the fun aspects. Because today I think it's possible that some may discover something about yourselves or us, ourselves, that we've never known before. That's potentially good, maybe bad, if you might be thinking it's bad, but I'm hopeful that it's good. And throughout this series, we've sought to understand the irrational grace that God has poured out on us. Why would a holy God be part of anything that we are part of? Why would he even want us? to be part of his kingdom. Mankind who cannot seem to do anything really well or right. And the further we go into this COVID stuff, the more I'm determined that our, our world is going crazy and it's getting harder and harder. Why would a holy God Want us to be part of this. It's because of his irrational grace. Something, grace is, is given to us even though we don't deserve it, and we don't deserve it. But as a result of that, we've received irrational grace. God has given us the ability to know him and to respond to him and to be part of what he's doing. And we talked about that as we look at that, what that means as we continue in exponentially growing and being part of a, a small group to help us go in that growth aspect. As we gather enthusiastically, the bumper video said that phrase, gather enthusiastically together so that we can gather and, and exercise our, our generous giving. And today we're looking at the next one of those is identifying our gifts, and I'm kind of excited a little bit today. Today, to be honest, it's a practical message. There's a lot of practical stuff today, and um, I'm not apologizing for that, but I think we need to understand how God has made us and that you and I are created in the image of God with given different abilities and gifts, and we'll be talking about that. But before we go too far, let me start by saying this. I believe that God gives the necessary gifts to the church, to the body of Christ, to the local church even, as part of the broader body. He gives all the gifts necessary that to, uh, to that part of the body. He gives them to us. And if the church, or if there is a lack in a particular area, it's probably one of two reasons why there could be a lack. One... Is that that ministry or whatever it is, is not what we're supposed to be doing. We're trying to do something that we're actually not, God doesn't equip us for. Or there is someone with the right gifts, with the right abilities. But for some reason they're they're either ignoring the call that God has placed on their lives. Or they are unaware of the calling that God has placed on their life. And I guess that's the point where we start today, is I want us to be able to put aside the, the comment thinks, well, I, I didn't know. I have, don't even know what my gifts are, so how can I go any further? We talk about identifying our gifts, identifiable gifts. So let me start by, by saying this. It's a, it's a Bible verse. It's, it's a reference from Second Peter, but it's, this, is, this is the crux of everything, that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness. What's the promise? The promise is that he's coming back. But is long-suffering is patient toward us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So our Heavenly Father, this irrational grace that he has... given to us, and we have received or have the ability to receive as a free gift, has made a promise to us that he is coming back. And there are many in our world who would say, well, if God were real, that he would do a whole heap of things. We'll talk about that in a minute. But one of them is that why doesn't he just stop? Why doesn't he just, if he says he's coming back, why doesn't he come back? This is one of the answers for that. He's not slack in keeping his promise as some people think. But he's being patient because he doesn't want any to perish, he doesn't want any to not be in the kingdom of God. It's not God's desire that anyone should go to hell. Hell was not created for you and I, it was created for Satan and his demons. It was created for Satan who disobeyed and continued to turn away from God and took a third of the angels with him. God created hell for their punishment and for any who ignore him and turn away from him. And yet in the middle of that, he still allows terrible things to happen to us while he seemingly just waits away for this right time to come leading many to believe that God doesn't exist or at least he doesn't care. I've heard things and you've probably heard them, if God is real, then why doesn't he show himself? Why doesn't he just manifest in some way? The other thing that's a bit mystifying in some regards is if God is so powerful and so mighty, why doesn't he just do what needs to be done so we can all get out of here? Why doesn't he just, and gone? He doesn't even need to do that. He just needs to say it. If God is so powerful and mighty, why does he linger any longer? Why doesn't he just do something? Why would he make the choice to allow us you and I, to do the work of sharing the gospel, why would he even consider that a viable option when he has all the power and authority to do anything he wants? And in an an instant could change people's hearts and minds. Why doesn't he just do that? And I would suggest there's a couple of reasons why he wouldn't. One, because he loves you. And he has given you the choice and he doesn't want to override that choice he doesn't want you to feel that you have no choice the government's doing a good enough job of that he wants us to have the choice and he will give us our choice secondly he wants us to be part of his work he wants us to join with him he doesn't want to be Separated from us, aloof, if you like, and, and doing just God stuff while we do human stuff. He invites us to be part of his work. And besides all that, he's God and he can do anything he likes. And he does things, perhaps, for reasons that we don't even need to or will ever understand. And that doesn't even matter. From a human perspective, we might even wonder whether that was the best decision to let humans get involved in it. I wonder that, particularly as we see how we make decisions on other things. After all, God had the option of doing so many other things in this world to be able to help us or encourage us or to guide us into a relationship with him. He could have chosen the heavenly angels to speak out to multitudes of people. And he did that for some things. Mary experienced that before she gave birth to Jesus and, and a bunch of others, the, the shepherds at that time, whole heap of them. God used angels in that way. Why doesn't he just do it all the time? Why doesn't he just, you know, a host of angels over here and a host of angels over here singing harmonies, not out of tune, but doing what they're supposed to do and telling others. Surely that would change your minds. Or God could have used or invented or, or made a special category of messenger that was unable to sin, but their sole job was to talk to people about Jesus. Why didn't he do that? Why didn't he just create this new form of stuff that just says, you know what? And they can't sin, but they are so convincing that we're all changed our mind. Why didn't he do that? And at the risk of being offensive, why didn't God just stick his head through the clouds and say, Hello world, I'm God, and you are not. Why didn't he do that? Let me say something, he did that. He sent his son Jesus Christ the manifestation of God himself into our world and we still ignored it and I want to be quite clear because the reality is that because all that God doesn't do all these things that people think that God is not real that if God were real, all these other things could happen and He would do something different. But I want to be clear, God does exist. There is no question in my mind. God does exist. He is real and whether we like it or not, whether we agree or not, that does not take away from the fact that he is real. And at some point, the scriptures tell us, at some point, we are going to be held accountable to do the things that he's called us to do as his people. At some point, we're going to have to to face God. And we have a choice to either trust him at this point or to ignore him at this point. Those that, that trust him will be taken into the kingdom of God, will be welcomed into the kingdom of God. Those that don't will be cast off with Satan and his demons. And you don't have to believe that. But it's too late once you're facing Jesus Christ, once you've died. It's too late to change your mind after it's all happened. And I'm not a betting person, but I'm, I'm betting that it's far better to trust God now than to face hell later. And I would challenge you to think along those lines that the only good choice that any of us can ever make is to be in the presence of Jesus Christ. He has chosen people, men and women and children, like you and I, who love him and have accepted him to take the message of hope to our community that we live in and beyond. It's more difficult because of the lack of flights outside of our country at this time, even interstate but the message is still clear and the message is still our responsibility. And he has helped us to do that. He has equipped us to do that by giving to each one of us gifts to help us achieve the job that he has for you and I. Your job may well be different to my job. It would be useless in this church if we're all standing up here preaching to empty chairs, where would the point be of that? And the good news about this is that these gifts that God gives us, they're no longer secret. They're not wrapped up behind the door waiting to give out to you. When you receive Jesus Christ, he gave you the gift. You just need to know it. You need to recognize it. You need to identify it. And they're easily identifiable. And he wants us to recognise it, how to use them and when to use them. So I have three questions and two summary statements that I want to finish. So five points. We're going to get through them reasonably quick, so don't panic. Um, the first question is, what is the job we've been given? What's the job that we have that God wants us to do? What is that job? Well, broadly speaking... I believe it can be summed up as in Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen and 20 when Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded to you and lo, I'm with you always even to the end of the age. There's the broad mission that we have to go into our world and make disciples, baptize them and teach. That's what you all have to do. That's what I have to do. It's not about doing the same thing. So we can, so we can achieve that in our lifetime when we make the decision to receive Jesus into our life. It, the scriptures tell us, and we'll read the scriptures in a minute, but God gives us all the gifts that are spiritual gifts that are needed to be able to fulfill the task that's at hand 1 Corinthians 12 says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit, and to other gifts, to another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits, to another, different kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit work all these things, distributing to each one individually as they feel like they want. It's not what it says. Giving, distributing to each one individually as he, being God, wills. A diversity of gifts, a a, a whole conglomerate of them, given to us individually and specifically by God to do God's will, and the God's will is? That we might share the gospel, go into our world and make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them, equipping them and making them into followers or, or allowing them to be followers of Jesus Christ. And the reality is that doesn't matter what gift you have, not one gift is more important than the other gift. There is no Better gift than everything else, except perhaps Paul talks about the greatest of all is love, that love covers the multitude of all of them. But there is no greater gift than anyone else. Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians twelve fifteen, he says, If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not, a bo- I'm not part of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were a pastor, were an eye, sorry, where would the sense of hearing be? And where would the sense of smelling be? And now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleases. That's why I said before, I believe that God has placed everything everything in the body ready to go to do the work that he's called us to do. And the inference in what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians is that that, that one gift is not more important than anything else. And God has given all parts of, to the body to make sure that the, it, it's holistic in its nature. The body, the body functions the way that it should do. Now I know that your body can do without certain things because the doctors say that they're leftovers and we can get rid of things like appendixes and all those sorts of things. I disagree. I'm sure that there is a reason for it. We might not understand it but nothing, God does not make mistakes. And what if he were to leave out the heart of somebody? You could say some of our politicians might be heartless or your boss, but that's not what I'm saying. What if, what if we were missing some vital part of our other organs as well? We're not gonna function. I know we can function on one kidney and we can function on one lung to some degree, but we're not as effective. And that's what happens in the church. God gives us our spiritual gifts so that they will be used to edify the body of Christ. And the trap here is that we can get so sidetracked trying to discover our gifts or get caught up in the whole spiritual gifts conversation that we put more emphasis into that than we do into the mission of making disciples, of going into our world. We get so caught up following the signs and wonders of spiritual gifts that we miss the signs and wonders of following Jesus. And we can never do that. That's always the priority. The reason that you and I have spiritual gifts is to follow Jesus, not to contemplate how good they are or how much missing they are or wishing that you had something that you don't. We can get so caught up in those things. And and reality, if we're caught up in that stuff, that's probably a fairly early sign of spiritual immaturity. So that's, that's the answer to that first question. Second question, what are the spiritual gifts that we've been given or God has given to his people? I'm going to read through some of the lists that we have from scriptures, and, and this list can be found in scriptures. If you want to go looking for them, the primary ones are going to be found in 1 Corinthians, Romans, Ephesians. There is mention of them in 1 Peter as well, but you'll find them. This is just pulled together from them, and you'll discover them there. But I, want to do, I do want to say this. This may not be an exhaustive list, because God can do whatever God wants to do. Just because we haven't thought of or recognised something doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. But generally speaking, the spiritual gifts that we find in scripture are covered by these ones. Administration is mentioned, and that's the ability to steer the church in the right direction and the ministry's in the right direction toward the completion of our God-given goals. What's our goals? To make disciples. It's to help us and steer us in that way. Administration. Being an apostle. You might think, well, that's all fine and good, but apostles died out a long time ago. Well, reality is apostle isn't the 12 apostles or disciples or or those sorts of things. An apostle is described as someone who is sent to a new place or into a ministry with the gospel. Missionaries probably fill, many of them probably fill the the concept of what it means to be an apostle where they're described as apostles. And And an apostle can also provide leadership to other churches or ministries or even offer advice on some spiritual matters, the gift of apostleship, discernment, the wisdom to recognize truth from untruth, to discern what's right, discernment, the message of of understanding and correctly evaluating whether a behavior is or a teaching is from God or it's just from the mind of man, being able to discern something that others may not, Evangelism, the the ability to to successfully communicate the gospel message. We've all got to do the work of an evangelist, but there is a gift of evangelism where it just seems to be that they have a knack for saying the right things, recognizing the right things, and being in the right place to be able to express the gospel message, communicate the gospel message, especially to non-believers. Exhortation is mentioned Exhortation is is being competent in the areas of encouragement and comfort and support. We've talked about exhorting one another the other week, lifting one another up. Some of you are so gifted in doing that, you just have the ability to encourage. Gift of exhortation, faith is another one that's mentioned. People with this gift seem to have such great confidence in the power and the promises of God that it, it seems that nothing can stop them, that they can stand strong in their belief and, the, and no matter what tries to shake them, they're solid because their faith, they're, they're exercising a spiritual gift of faith and they can also stand up to for the church and their faith in, in such a way as to defend it and, and help move it forward. There is talk, there's mention of the gift of giving and those who have this gift. And while we're all expected to give, there are some that God has just blessed and, and they are a blessing and want to give. They see it as an, an ability to be able to just give and it just even if they haven't got much, they will give. Willing and able to share whatever resources they have with pleasure, not with grump, grumpiness. I was going to say grumpleness, but I don't think that's a word. Healing, there's a, there's a spiritual gift of healing and the capability of, that God can use us or others to, to restore others, sorry, to be physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually healed. There is a spiritual gift of healing. There is, Paul talks about the spiritual gift of helping others or helps. And someone with this kind of gift is seems to be able to support and assist people in the body of Christ. They just, the right person, know how to react and to respond. so that And, and to be able to do stuff. I, I remember a, a man who was helping me in a, in a church that I came from before I came up here. I was leading our youth group. And he was just an amazing person. He just did all the background stuff. I could be up front doing the ministry and I just turn around and everything's ready to go. It just was amazing. And, and John was a blessing. And some of you are like that. You just know how to help. You don't want to be the up front person, but you have a, have a gift for just being in the right place at the right time. Don't neglect it hospitality is a is a natural way that some people have to to make people even strangers feel welcomed in their own home or in the church as a means of to disciple them to know Jesus Christ not just to have them over for a coffee but you have them in order to be bear witness of what has gone in in your life knowledge is another one that's mentioned and the gift of someone with the gift of knowledge is someone who actively pursues the, the word of God. And they're, they're often good people to analyze scripture and work things through because they just have this understanding. And, and it seems to be something that you those with the gift can't understand why those others don't get it. But there has a spiritual gift of that. Leadership is another one that's mentioned. in the this, this aptitude marks a person who is able to stand before a church and to direct the body of Christ in a direction that it needs to go with care and attention and to motivate them towards the, the achieving the, the goals that God has set for us as a church. Mercy is another one. Now mercy, I've talked about this before, faith is getting, uh, sorry, uh, grace is receiving something we don't deserve. Mercy is not giving us something we do deserve. So for instance, God gave us free free gift of Jesus Christ. We didn't deserve that. That's grace. But he also didn't give us the death penalty which we do deserve. That's mercy. And someone with a gift of mercy is the defining trait with someone with this is a great sensitivity for those who who are suffering, who are not doing so well it manifests itself in offering compassion and encouragement and it's and in a in a way that just loves them in a practical giving way they don't get what they deserve because this person just expresses they need mercy not judgment that's mercy prophecy the ability to speak out the message of god to other people and sometimes this involves foresight and, and visions and, and dreams that come that that God wants us to understand. This, this is not just used as an encouragement but it can also be a warning to us as a church and some have the gift. The scriptures lay out some guidelines how we can know whether this gift of prophecy is real or not because it tells us that if it doesn't come true they're a false prophet and all of these gifts that I'm talking about can be used in a way or, or made up that really aren't spiritual gifts that come from God, but God gives them to us. Serving, the ability to help the body of Christ using availability, available gifts to get a job done, to serve, it's not always out front, but to serve in the background. Some of you ladies here last night we're just, I've heard good reports already of how well everything went in the serving aspect of it. Well done. Gift of serving. Teach, uh, teaching, sometimes known as shepherding, self explanatory, speaking in tongues. The, this supernatural ability to, to speak in another language, one one that has, has not been learned before, but God somehow imparts this gift to us for a reason. The scriptures tell us that he gives them according to his will. Wisdom, the gift of being able to sort through facts from fiction, get the facts from the data and use it for right, to discover what needs to be done in the church. That's wisdom. There's 18 or so gifts that you will find in those scripture in the scriptures and they're not limited to that So these are the types of things that we're talking about when we're talking about What are the spiritual gifts God has given to his people and he gives them to us? Why so that we might minister and be equipping the church and being able to fulfill the purpose that we have in making disciples of Matthew 28 19 and 20 that we've already read so third question How do we identify, because this is what we're about today. How are we going to find out your gifts if you don't know? If you do know, bear with me, I've got another comment for that. But if you don't know, there are a number of ways that we can do to help identify our gifts. And I want to make this very clear, I've said it once already, you might have missed it, but they were never meant to be hidden and God is not secretive in giving us our gifts. But one of the greatest hindrances that we have to recognize them in our own life is that sometimes, and I'm guilty of this, sometimes, we do recognize it in our own life, but we think, well, I'm not gonna say anything because then I might be asked to do something. We're afraid of what we might have to do. And you don't have to put your hands up, but I'm pretty sure most of you have done that. Because I think it's common stuff for us as Christians. Often we, we, we may recognise, oh, maybe it's that, but I'm not going to stick my hand up just in case. But if God has given you a gift to use and we don't use it, that's not going to sit well when we come before him because I am confident one of the questions he is going to ask when we face him, what have you done with what I have given you to use. How have you used your talents? How have you used your gifts? How have you used your time? How have you used your life? And to identify our gifts is one of the first things we need to do as a Christian because we know that when we give our heart to him, it's what happens. And perhaps one of the first things that we can do in identifying our gifts is start to pray about it. Ask God. That sounds pretty straightforward and, and and obvious, but it surprises me how, how slack I am in, in praying first. I'm usually act first, pray second. And I know many of you are like that. Some of you are much better at that, the, the right way than I am, but pray first. And ask God to lead us towards whatever gift he has given us. that. He can make it clear to us that what God has for us to do. And the scriptures tell us that he is a good father. And as a good father, he longs to give us good gifts. Matthew 7 also says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find and it will be opened up for you. Everyone who asks receives. He who seeks find and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Pray. Pray about your gifts. Secondly, recognize perhaps... Perhaps as I was reading through those before something stuck in your head, you think, oh, mm, I do that, or that excites me. You just get excited when you think about some of those things or one of those things. As I was going through those various gifts just now, did any resonate with you? Did you recognize something in your own life that just was comfortable with that. You had a peace about that. Ask yourself this question, what am I passionate about? What what has God given me a passion for? What makes my heart skip? I know I do that for Karen, but that's not what we're talking about. She's coughing right now, choking. She's out in Christ, so she won't hear that till later. But what makes your heart skip when we talk about this? What brings you joy? What makes you excited? Perhaps that could be the gift that God has given you. Thirdly, listen to other people. Listen to what others say, because often others see gifts in us well before we recognize them in our own life. So ask one of your Christian friends, someone you respect, someone you trust, who knows you well, and ask them if they can identify or recognize any gift, spiritual gift, in you. And you may well be surprised, and you're probably gonna have the reaction, nah, I'll ask someone else, until you get the answer you want. And the answer you probably want is I don't have any spiritual gifts, wrong answer. So ask some people, talk to people. Which ones do they identify in you? You can also do one of those spiritual gift surveys. Now, they're all fine and good, and they might be helpful in giving you an idea of stuff, but I'd be, I'm, I'm always cautious with that because it, they're pre-set up to give you some stuff, and I, I, but I don't write them off. It may be the starting point if you're really stuck to give you some clarity on the whole thing and to help you pursue the passion that God has given to you. So make sure you talk with someone, make sure that you pray about it, make sure that you you ask God to show you those things and how quickly I believe God will want you to not just know about it but to be able to express that. First thing, word of caution to all of this. We do need to understand that it's God who gives us our gifts. He's the one that does that. As he sees fit, and even though we might want a particular gift, and we even pray for a particular gift, he will not give us something if it is not good for us or it is not of any use to us. He just won't do that. He's not a God who gives us bad stuff. He will not give us something if it's not going to be for our good. It's easy to lose sight of Jesus in pursuit of our spiritual gifts. So if we're losing sight of Jesus, our spiritual gifts might become a little blurry. And once we determine which gift or gifts, plural, we have, we we can sometimes become the little pigeonhole and say, Well, you know what? Just because I have the gift of teaching, that means I have to be a teacher. No, or just because I'm have the gift of teaching, I'm going to be a pastor. No, there are multiple uses for every gift, and just because. And by the way, one of my primary gifts is teaching. But if we, if if you all taught like I taught, we'd be a boring bunch of people. We'd know everything. <laughs> no, <laughs> we think we do sometimes. No, but God has given you, some of you are good teachers and you do teach in school, but just because you're a teacher at school doesn't mean that you necessarily have even a gift of teaching. Because I think there are things that we can learn as well in our world. But when we start to exercise our spiritual gifts along with our natural ability, something amazing seems to happen. And you might even find that your gift changes over time. So if you've recognized some things in your life earlier, it's, it's possible because for example, you might find that you begin to grow in your faith as you mature in Christ. That just means you're becoming stronger and your faith is increasing and suddenly you find, well, I actually have a very strong faith. A, I have this gift of faith now that I didn't have once before. And as we age, we should gain wisdom and we have new experiences, and our story just evolves over time, and, our, and the journey that we travel, as we travel in the Lord, changes us, and we inherently change. So our gifts can change over time, so just because you think you have one, and, and you've had that for the last 30 years, that says one of two things. One, you haven't recognized other things that God is doing, or two, maybe we're just not growing, we're not wanting to use because the scriptures tell us that if we don't use it what we have will be taken away from us so what next well after we determine what gift or gifts we need to have or might have let's begin to use them to glorify God and by using your spiritual gifts to volunteer in a ministry or around the church you are moving the kingdom of God forward going into our world and making disciples and that applies no matter how small of a job that you have. Last night's HIH women's stuff meant that many of you got to do a whole heap of stuff, but i can pretty, pretty sure that it was, if it was left up to one person it probably would not have been so smooth because you used your gifts and that's how it is on a Sunday morning. You don't want me in some areas of ministry because you are really good at stuff that I'm not so good at. So be We need to move forward, spiritual gifts are given so that we might strengthen one another. Peter, 1 Peter, this is the passage I was talking about before, as each one has received a gift, minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies that in all things, all things, all things, all things, God might be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belong the glory and dominion of him forever and ever, amen. Our gifts are given to bring glory to God, to lift up the body of Christ so that God is glorified and Paul tells the Corinthian church that spiritual gifts should be used to edify the church. He says, even so, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, since you are enthusiastic and eager to receive a spiritual gift, let it be for the edification of the church, the, the lifting up of the church so that you, seek to, that you seek to excel. It's not to bring glory to ourselves. It's not to make us the one to focus on. So I want to encourage you to find a place where you can serve no matter what you feel you're able to do. And if you're still unsure, just do something. And maybe through the process of doing something, God will say, you know what, that's exactly where I want. Or maybe he'll say, that's actually not where I want you to be. But he's not going to criticise you if you don't know. Find a place that where you can serve, that utilizes at least one of your gifts. And you'll be amazed at how blessed your time will be. Because God has given you those gifts to edify the church, and it will not be a burden. It won't be a problem. You might have difficult days, but it will not be burdensome. And you will bring glory to his name as the church body is edified. May God bless you as you seek to establish and understand and use your gifts to bring glory to him. Let me pray. Father, I do thank you that your desire is that we be part of your plan. That you've given us specific gifts to do the work that you have for us, not something we have to make up. And, Lord, we don't even really get the, the privilege of, of deciding that because you have made us the way you want us to be so that we are able to bring glory to you as we exercise our gifts. So, Father, help us to grow, help us to mature, help us to seek you, to discover the things that you are doing in our lives so that we might be a blessing to others and a and blessing to you. To you, Father, be all glory, honour, And praise in Jesus' name, amen.